Buy for action. You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. And now, more sports and torts with David Spada and Elliot Heron. Elliot, let's get right to our next guest, a six-time All-Star. He hit 54 home runs in one year, which almost broke Hack Wilson's National League record back in the 40s. That's when home runs were home runs. Exactly. When If you hit 40, it was achieving something. This guy led the league in homers seven straight years in the National League. He led baseball in homers six straight years. Then he went into a successful broadcasting career with the Pirates. Ralph Kiner. How you doing, Ralph? Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, not with the Pirates, with the Mets, so broadcasting. The Mets, where are they, where are they located again? Uh, they're located in New York, and uh, I've been with them uh, 50 years. Casey Stengel still the manager there? Uh, I wish he were. He was great to be around and great to hear and talk about uh, all the things he knew about. He was a very, very articulate man, and uh, he was uh, the whole thing about him, uh, the double talk and what have you, was all of, it was all an act, and he was really a good actor. He was very astute, and uh, the players that played for him found that out when uh, they uh, saw him manage the ball game. Now, you you saw the Mets from the depths of despair to World Series championships to now what they, they've become. They're getting closer to the 62 Mets as we speak. What was it like seeing that franchise rise? Well, of course, I think it was one of the great events in baseball history when they went from a expansion club in 1962 and uh, in a short time before they had free agency they were able to put together a world championship team in 1969 and that was one of the great thrills of my life and uh, outside of baseball was broadcasting baseball games uh, and uh, being a part of the uh, 69 Mets of course uh, Things have changed, and we certainly have some, uh, we had quite a few ups and downs. Ron Santa, who just passed away within the last six months, hated going to Shea Stadium, hated the Mets the day he died. What caused that animosity? Well, I think it was very very normal uh, uh, for a, a player like uh, Santa, who was an exuberant type guy, and certainly uh, was a great part of baseball for the Cubs all those years that played there. A real outstanding third baseman, and uh, it was a shame he didn't make the Hall of Fame, but uh, I guess uh, sometimes the things don't work the way they should. Do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. I, there's no question about it. Uh, he was the type of player that uh, exuded baseball, and I think that's what uh, we all should appreciate, having the chance to play a game uh, like baseball that... Uh, it's such a superb game and tactical and what have you, if you understand it. And uh, I think the majority of people in the United States do understand it. It's a hard game to explain to someone who doesn't know a thing about baseball. Now, you did spend a little time at Wrigley Field playing for the Cubs. What, what was that like? Well, we didn't have good teams in those days and didn't draw great crowds. But uh, uh, I love Chicago. It was a great place to be. And... Uh, and I enjoyed being there for the short time I was there. And, of course, I played there uh, my first year in the Major Leagues in 1946. And 
In those days, it was a tough ballpark to hit in. And the reason for that was the fact that uh, they had uh, the people sit in the center field bleachers and uh, in the summertime with white shirts and a white baseball, it was extremely difficult to find the baseball when you're a hitter. It was not an easy park to play in when it was that way. Of course, it became easier when they did black out that, uh, that center field area. And I was a part of that. I was the player representative for the National League in those years. And uh, the players came to me and wanted me to uh, try and influence the Cub management to take out the the uh, people that were sitting there and make it somewhat uh, difficult to uh, to do because they didn't want to leave and give up those good seats, but it didn't draw that well then. When they are now, and it's one of the great franchises of all time. When you were with the Pirates, I see that Honus Wagner was part of the team back then, involved with it. What was it like knowing that you met Honus Wagner, one of the greatest players of all time, and then you've also met A-Rod, one of the greatest players of all time? I mean, you've spanned 80 years of baseball. I sure do. Uh, I'm... Uh, well, not quite 80 years, but I'm uh, I'm only 88 right now. But uh, fortunately, I've still broadcast. I do. I don't do all the games. I do a, a, quite a few games of the Mets, and uh, and to be a part of a great game like baseball, I uh, I've already been a very fortunate person. Now, are there a lot of people out there that? Remember that once upon a time you did play baseball, that you are a Hall of Famer, and that you were the the premier home run hitter of your era? Well, I think that uh, there are quite a few people that uh, I see and talk to, mainly because my exposure has continued after I played baseball when I got into broadcasting. When I quit playing, I had a bad back. I only played 10 years, and of course, in those 10 years, I... Uh, was able to accumulate, uh, uh, well, I had the most home runs uh, of any player for 10 years until uh, uh, pool holes came, uh, came around and broke all my records. But uh, it was, uh, it was it's recognizable uh, in New York, especially of my my playing, being able to play, and, uh, and being a part of uh, the Mets uh, for all those 50 years. Do you ever think if it hadn't been for my back, I might have been the guy to break Babe Ruth's total record for a career? Well, of course, I, I uh, the one thing you know, the one thing about Babe Ruth that no one ever puts into uh, to their columns or to their announcing or to their knowledge of baseball is that Babe Ruth was one of the great pitchers of all time when he was with the Boston Red Sox. He has all he had all the records for five years that he played there. And uh, the, and I, when I was on the pace, there may be an outstanding chance to break the, break into the record books by beating his record. I um, I got a chance to uh, be a part of that, and uh, it's been it's been a great career for me. I've really enjoyed it, and of course I love baseball, as you can tell. It's uh, it's just a wonderful game and a wonderful way to make a living. Are you kind of upset? that these records are getting tainted by all these people use steroids over the last two decades? You, hit the, you said the magic word. I think that sterile, the steroids era should be recognized and talked about and put in the record books. The players have broke those records that were up there forever, and, when you, and, and baseball is a game of records. Uh, they, uh, they, it was really bad for baseball, and, of course, 
uh, you really had to have, have a knowledge of baseball to know that they were accomplished under different circumstances that uh, were illegal. And uh, it, uh, it is not recognized that way, and I, I really am upset about that, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, once upon a time, 500 career home runs was an astonishing number, uh, 50 home runs in a season, similar. And then the 90s came along, and it, it was like middle infielders were were hitting 50 home runs. Well, uh, the game has changed. There's no question about that. And uh, I really, in the record books, I think they have put it in eras, the eras of uh, steroids. That should be acknowledged in the record books because players broke records that they never thought of doing them with, with players with the aid of a, an outside element were able to do those things. It changed the game considerably and should be should be written in the history of baseball in the record book. But Gaylord Perry said they were cheating back in his day. He was corking bats for people. <laughs> we, I think there were all kinds of things that are going to be done because it was it's been done because of television. And television brought big money into baseball, and that changed the game, too. And, of course, I never made the money one time as the highest paid player in the National League, and I made $80,000 a year then. And uh, it was because of my home runs. And, of course, uh, I, the year that I, I came close to Hack Wilson's record, which was, which was uh, 56 home runs in 1930, uh, I had a chance to break that. As a matter of fact, I hit one home run that was uh, rained out, and it would have had 55 the year at the 54. Who paid but, you the 80000 Was that Bing Crosby when he owned the Pirates? He owned a part of the Pirates, and uh, he was really a baseball enthusiast. It is a, it is a great part of the game. And uh, I just read something in the in the, in the record book today that, that Gary Cooper also owned a part of the team. Bob Obum owned part of the Cleveland Indians, and of course, Bing Crosby, a part of the of the Pirates, and Gary Cooper had a part of uh, baseball with the Dodgers. Speaking of the Dodgers, how how mind-boggling is it that the Los Angeles Dodgers are having money problems nowadays? Well, the money uh, the money problems are created by the owner McCourt has been the guy that spent money thousands of dollars on. Outside activities and strange-looking things, and I think uh, it, it's, it, it changes. But baseball has changed right with the times. The whole the world has changed too you, in the years that I was I, that I've been around. You must have loved when Bing Crosby was part owner of the Pirates because you got to meet all these celebrities. I saw a picture of you with Liz Taylor. Well, he, the Bing Crosby is the one that uh, said, "How would you like to go off with Liz Taylor?" And I said, are you... How are long did it take you to me? answer yes, that question? I'd like to go out and, uh, and be able to date her. And I, of course, I, I did get that advantage. I, and it was all through Bing. And he was a wonderful guy to be around. And I played a lot of golf with him. And it was just uh, a great part of uh, our history. He was the, the biggest movie star of all time at one time. And... Uh, of course, nowadays they have a different kind of uh, movie star. It's not a Ben Crosby that had a great voice and was a great actor. And Bob Hope also involved in baseball because he, too, was a big uh, baseball fan. So who was the better golfer, you or Bing? 
Well, Bing Crosby was a club champion, I would say, of maybe four or five, six clubs, something like that. And uh, he's, he played mainly out of uh, Lakeside and in uh, and, uh, and, uh, Burbank, California, which is a part of L.A. And, uh, and that, that was the thing about uh, his uh, participation. It really brought, it made baseball even a stronger move. And now, of course, baseball coming to L.A. I was raised in Alhambra, California, which is right outside of L.A. And, uh, and of course, I, I was very fortunate to meet Bing, and then they got to meet uh, all the people that we look forward to admiring and what have you. you so I've had, I've had a real exposure to a wonderful life. Yeah, you and Bing and Bob Hope could have made a on the road to Cooperstown movie. Was you know, it? <laughs> I played a lot of golf with Bob Hope too. I've lived in the Palm Springs for a long time, and that's where I got to be well a, a, a partner of uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and Randall Scott, and then you can name all those great players that uh, great actors that became good golfers and good players. And uh, Bob Hope was not in a class of golf. That Bing was. Bing was an outstanding golfer, and at one time he had the only hole in one at Pebble Beach on the 16th hole uh, of Cyprus, and uh, and for a long time that said until someone, of course, came along. And again, all sports have changed. So uh, the uh, basketball has changed, and they remember the ball, and they're all over the place. And and of course, with that, popularity has expanded baseball and golf and all the other sports. Is there a celebrity that you met that you'll never forget that you're in awe of? Well, yeah, I, uh, there's no question about Bing. Bing was a, he was a mercurial type person at times. He would be uh, moody and what have you, but he was he was always a, a big baseball fan and a great part of uh, of uh, our lives uh, through the movies. And uh, but he couldn't watch the games. He got too nervous. And you guys got to give him credit because. They found a tape in his wine cellar of the famous, I think, 1960 World Series, and they just released it last year. He was too nervous. That's the true story. And the, the thing about that was that uh, he uh, he would. I mean, I'll tell you a story about him. I had a home run at Forbes Field. It was one of the days he was in the ballpark, and our announcer at that time was a man named Rosie Roswell, who was one of the original announcers of baseball games. And Rosie did the play-by-play, -play, and he had a unique, unique way of uh, broadcasting a home run. Because they opened the window on Mitty, and then they would have a, a, an assistant drop a pane of glass, a, a, pane, a glass like you have in windows, and make it sound like he, just, he never got the window open, and it was that Mitty's home run. And he was, uh, Ben Crosby was broadcasting with Rosie, and I hit this home run. And he started, he grabbed the microphone away from Bing, which was, uh, I'm sure, the only time Bing Crosby ever had a microphone taken away from him. Can we get your famous home run call? Uh, open the window, and Minnie, and she never made it with a pane of glass breaking, breaking in the background. And uh, it was a, it was well recognized in Pittsburgh, but nobody else knew what he was talking about. Can we have the Ralph Heiner home run call? Well, David, I, I, David Spade just hits one out of the park. Well, I would uh, I would say uh, it was a drive deep to the outfield, and uh, 
It's gone, 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 goodbye. That was my home run call. Of course, when you're an announcer, you learn, you work on your home run call because that's the the biggest rule in in the game of baseball: the home run that wins the ball game and and everything else like that. But uh, it was fun to do, and uh, I was very fortunate to be picked by the Mets uh, when they started in 1962. And uh, George Weiss was the man that hired me, and he was, of course, the, uh, the the big man for the Yankees for years, and then got fired by the Yankees, and then uh, came over to the Mets, and he uh, he hired me, and they hired Casey Stengel, and of course Stengel was also a big part. Yeah, we they stole you from the White Sox. That's true. I did the White Sox games with Bob Elson, and uh, I learned a lot from Bob. He was a character. I. Uh, it, it, it was, they called him the commander, and of course he was the commander in World War II, and that was his nickname. And uh, he uh, he was well, he's in the Hall of Fame of broadcasting, so you know how good he was. We had Brickhouse, him, Harry Carey, and yeah, and Brickhouse was also a very good man. I, I really enjoyed knowing him and being around him when he did all the he did all the telecasts for the White Sox and the uh, Chicago Cubs. But he never spent any money. He was very tight. You got that right. And so, so, listen, he think he was tight. He used to the same Bob Elson. Bob? He didn't know what money was it. When he never picked up a check in his life. And he was on the air. He'd say he'd, he would talk about a restaurant. And then have free food for the rest of the of his, his life from then on. You never did that, though. I'm sorry? You never did that. I No, I didn't do it that way. <laughs> I, I really couldn't do that. I mean, you have to be a you have to be a personality that thinks that way. What about and here? Of course, they didn't make any money in those days. You know, the announcers didn't make the money they're making now. No, not ESPN changed everything. We got Chris Berman. You got the Joe Morgans. It's incredible. Yeah, and 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 like managing, managers never made much money at all. In fact, a lot of the managers in the old days. For playing managers, because that saved the roster spot for another ball player. Thank you very much, Ralph. We got to get to our next guest, <laughs> Billy Pierce. I know you know him very well. Oh yeah, what a pitcher he was. He was, and also a wonderful guy. Thank you very much, Ralph. It was a pleasure oh, talking welcome, to you. And I'll talk. Hope to talk to you again. Bye Thank now. you. Thank you. That was Baseball Hall of Famer and broadcaster Ralph Kiner. You're never going to hear these stories again from today's players. An, an, incredible, an incredible broadcaster, an incredible ball player. He spanned the time from Honus Wagner to today's game, yeah. and he's still going. Hope, hope we can keep going. You're listening to Sports and Torts, and we'll be back in a few.